history of banter where one of us knows what the word banter means and the other two are just long for the ride. Kirk, say hi. Hi. James, say what's up. Yo. So, uh, James, how's uh, old man baseball going for you? Getting any jacks yet? Um, <laughs> I walked once, so that was nice. Um, other than that, it's not been going very good. I'll let you know after this weekend if, uh, if things progress in a, in a positive direction. We look forward to your update. We are rooting for you from Eastern time zones to Western time zones. We're here for you. Need that. Need that. <laughs> Kirky, I hear you're just raking. You're like a goddamn Ace Hardware store out there. <laughs> well, I've gotten on base every game, so that's pretty cool. Um, I think I'm like three for 12. So, I mean, not great, but not a lot better than I have been. So, is your open? Yeah, that's really good. Have you seen, have you seen uh, Cameron Maybin's stat line with the Mets? Oh, I just bring that up because the Rockies just played the Mets. He is 0 for like 25 to start uh, with the team. So I think you're doing all right is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Even the best struggle. And your OVP has got to be above 300. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I I got a double. So we're making improvements. James doesn't even have a slugging percentage. Nope. Nope. You know who has a great slugging percentage? Your mom. No. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> no. Stop. No. She gets on base. <laughs> um, she doesn't round bases. She gets on, she, she's got a lot of total bases. <laughs> you guys made this gross. Do you guys know who has a, a lot of OB, uh, slugging percentage? It's Ryan McMahon. I feel like his breakout game was game one of the Mets series where he was defensively great and he hit the home run off of DeGrom in the first inning. And I felt like there was some kind of movement. I don't know if it was just Rockies Twitter or social media, but it felt like people were finally getting on board that McMahon is going to be the all-star game representative and not Trevor Story. Um, Hopefully both cross our fingers and all that, but I think McMahon is finally getting the recognition, getting some recognition. Or am I just making that up? No, this is his his breakout season. I think we're all a little hesitant because he's been in the majors for a little bit, so you thought that he'd be more consistent. But, I mean, the batting average isn't great, but, I mean, if you look at batting averages across all of Major League Baseball, like 300 hitters are kind of dead in my opinion. Like that's not the thing anymore. It's it's either extra bases or nothing. And I mean, I, I don't know how to feel about it, but 300 hitters dead, but the slugging is there, and McMahon is is doing it right now for Rocks. Yeah, it's it's definitely a breakout year for him if if we're gonna call it that for sure. I, I think. He's, he's definitely going to be like our up and coming star. I think a lot of people are excited about it because it's just something to kind of somebody to get behind if, if, and when story is gone. So it's nice to at least have somebody that's probably going to put up, you know, 30 home runs still um, on the team. 
And I, I remember going, I watched a interview with Nolan Arenado. I think it was a bar stool. And he was saying that he thought Ryan McMahon was going to eventually like be a 30 home run a season type of guy. So it's nice that it, it's actually happening right now. Yeah. The interview we did with uh, Dooley, the Hartford Yard Goats voice, he said very, very similar things. Like he said, Ryan McMahon is a ball player. He will break out. And I really wonder if it's just because it he's getting the consistent at bats. He's finally getting that playing time. Um, Nolan's out. And so he just kind of is able to embrace what it is to be an everyday player. But whatever it is, I'm here for it. Um, when you think of Ryan McMahon, do you think of him as a third baseman or a second baseman? Honestly, I, I think of him as a second baseman, but um, I feel like his future is going to be at third for sure. Yeah, that's really weird you said that because my first inclination was that third baseman for sure. I guess I don't know why because he was brought up that way through the system or, um, you know, he's – the athleticism is there. It's just like – um, for lack of a better term, the propaganda surrounding him has never been a middle infielder. So it's, it's, you're not what, you're not sure what to expect in the middle infield, but he's handled it extremely well, extremely well. And he plays first base and everything else. So I don't know. I think he's so versatile. You could, you know, put him wherever you want. Yeah. I was just wondering for all-star game votes because I thought third baseman initially. And then I was in awe when I hear people saying second baseman, Ryan McMahon, like, okay, this is a thing because of everything you just said. He's a Swiss utility knife. Like he can do whatever you want him to do. And it's fucking fantastic. Shit. Kirk even joked about it. Uh, he can probably be our shortstop when Trevor Story's traded, like just spot him into the sixth spot and watch him do things out there. It's really cool. I'm, I'm excited for Mac. Um, Marquez, you guys see it? He got 700Ks. Hit it last night, the most by any Venezuela pitcher. I just think we should give him a nice little round of applause. I think it's, it's a big deal. It's really cool. Golf club. Golf club. Our boy Story, last time we talked, has hit a walk-off and has something going on with his arm. Not a lot of updates, but everything says UCL tear, Tommy John surgery is in the near future just based off what the little information I've had. What have you guys heard? I haven't heard anything. I was watching that game, and uh, it was against the Mets, and next thing you know, Rockies take the lead, and then Trevor Story's not your shortstop. So, um, of course, Spilly and um, Sullivan were speculating that hopefully it's not too serious, but, I mean, if you're coming out in the middle of a game <laughs> – it's um, not a good situation. So hope for the best, but let's plan for the worst. Yeah, I, I haven't heard a whole lot about it, but that, that's going to be pretty – especially in this year, like we're not going to have anybody if the story goes down. Um, and then it kind of makes you wonder if it's that serious, what does that do for trade talk? Yeah. Like, his value diminishes greatly. 
It does uh, as far as being traded, but on the free market, it, it might diminish a little bit, but I think on the free market, somebody would still kind of pony up more than Rockies can. As far as oh. the Rockies filling in at shortstop, you have Hampson um, and you have Rogers. Rogers has his own history of, of issues, but you know, Hampson's always going to play shortstop when you need him to. So, It's not a good situation, but I mean, we know who's going to play there. Yeah, and they got Trejo, who's had some experience this year. He's on the injured list, but I don't. I mean, I don't think any of us think he's the long term answer. It just Trevor's story being hurt as a Rockies fan and trade value, knowing that we need to trade him like before July thirty first. Like it's inevitable. Like we have to have that happen, and if he gets hurt before we get anything in return. It just goes to show that we are just a down and out bad luck franchise that can't do anything right when we need to. Yeah. If, if we can't, if we cannot trade him this season and then we just let him walk and he gets signed, um, we're in big, big trouble, huge trouble. I mean, (laughs) It doesn't get worse than that. No. Letting somebody walk at free agency might be worse than like a Nolan type deal. Yeah. Especially it's a top three shortstop in the league. Yeah. I mean, especially like since Lindor's not playing well anymore. Like I would put Lindor and Story for a while there, but now Story's kind of the front runner there. But if you don't get anything in return in that, and like we don't have much depth, it, especially in those positions, it's like we're, we're probably going to be bottom of the barrel for a few years at least. Yeah, the rebuild is going to be for a long time. Like, what was Jeff Bryce doing just doing corner infielders all this time? Like, why was middle infielder not a thing? It just surprised um, me depth like almost major league ready depth is this atrocious i think i think because like we have story rogers who everybody was really high on and has looked pretty good so far this year um and then hampson so like and then you got rymac and then nolan like i don't know the, the infield was stacked i think we were just looking for a first baseman it, we didn't find that either no well, I think the I think the key piece to this is is Rogers staying healthy. That's gonna that's gonna be a make or break deal. So if Rogers is healthy and can play the middle infield, and then you got Hampson um, that can fill in and play good defense and all of those things, um, then it it won't be so bad. But you're worried about Rogers having another injury, um, and that at that point, then it's it's um, it's rough sledding, right? So we just have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that has to be what he was thinking. Like, we're good up the middle with these three or four people. But it's just baseball, you know, you need depth in all aspects. And I feel like we just have so many corner infielders that we can just part ways with and plug in here and there. Like, we can go down the list of all the third basemen we have in the system and first base. But yet we don't have anybody in the middle infielder. 
And okay, so so I mean, here's two really worrying factors: is the fact that the farm system is bottom five of the league in in terms of farm system, yep. and one of our corner infielders who was supposed to be a stud here to be soon, uh, Colton Welker, uh, is suspended for eight games for PEDs. So, you know, it's um, it's not a good sign. It's some we got to make a splash in one way or another, whether it's the draft or trades or whatever, and it doesn't look good. And the, that goes right back to the whole point of this, like Trevor's story needs to be traded for prospects. Like if we don't re-sign him to an eight-year contract and all that good stuff and good faith and whatnot, we better get something in return because what are we doing here? Right. Like, yeah, but the the fact that he's not under contract for the next couple of years, like we don't have any leverage if he's hurt at all. Exactly. Nothing. And that just sucks. And that being a Rockies fan, man. It's just rough, man. It sucks. Um with really bad more bad news is Matt Adams is making his rehab come back and we should probably see him in the majors real soon and that probably means connor joe's going down so joe 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 time is almost over and that makes me want to drink him even more i, I can't stand matt adams yes we know uh connor joe's been... the fact that he's on the rockies that i way. get that but you would hope that people can at least evaluate performance. So Connor Joe's been playing really well, especially when it comes to um, his strike zone. Like he does not. OVP. Yes, he does not swing outside the zone. Um, if Matt Adams comes and does not perform right away, you would just imagine that they just flip-flop it again, right? And then you got Crone and Fuentes. Yeah, who's to say that? Who's to say Matt doesn't just stay down Triple A? You know, he's the veteran first baseman, and Buddy Black loves that. I just think Buddy wants Matt, and and he's a left-handed power hitter. You don't have that coming off the bench, so I just see Buddy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we Buddy. don't really have a a big time lefty off the bench, so. But yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Well, from that aspect, then what about Greg Bird? I don't know. We signed Matt Adams. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was my whole argument a few weeks ago. I don't know. Greg Bird did go yard um, today, yesterday. So, I think there's something there. I don't know. Um, and then the last update, our boy Dugan Darnell got called up. He is now a Spokane Indian, baby. Got the call today. He's just out there shaking the room. Fucking sweet. Love is that it. a is that a plus ball or what is that? It's high A. That's super cool. Dude, he was like, lights out. He was lights like out. This, this quickly, like that just shows that he really does have what it takes, you know. Yeah, let me uh get my Mike on the line and get um his stats. Fucking interns. I know. Probably need oh, this. What do you guys think why he looks this up? Um 
What do you guys think of these Coors hangover? Is it real? Because Buddy Black decides and doesn't want to talk about it. Excuse me? More context, please. Coors hangover. So the Rockies are three and a million on the road this year. I think three and 20 officially. Uh, can't hit worth the lick. They have exactly – they have scored 58 runs while allowing 105 runs on the road this year. They are first game of a road series. They've scored like five runs in total. Granted, those pitchers they faced, all those are high, really, really good people. But Buddy Black has come out. He was asked about it by a reporter. He's like, what do you guys, what do you think about the Coors Field hangover? And what are you guys doing about it? And Bloody said, we don't make excuses. It's not real. It's not a thing. Let's go on to the next question. Yeah, that's what that's what he has to say, you know. Like, right. And like as a manager, right, you have to say that. But as a fan, is there something to it? Like, why are we hitting atrocious? Like we went to New York and I think we scored what four runs, five runs this last series on the road. Like it's just so bad. Like three and twenty on the road. Okay, so I think there's a huge organizational problem when it comes to Coors effect and the hangover and all of those things. So go back to when we talked about uh, talked to Jeff Francis and we we asked him about Coors Coors effect and all that stuff, and he said, you know, how long was Jeff Francis in the system? A long time, right? They never talked about it. They never once recognized it. And the only time they ever talked about it is when a reporter or somebody else asked about him. And every single time that it came up, it was, well, we're just going to go out and execute our pitches and we're just going to adjust and blah, blah, blah. The problem is, is that they fail to actually acknowledge that this phenomenon exists. I understand that was the mindset 10, 15 years ago. Um, and all the fans and reporters and blah, 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 have always known that this things exist, but they say, no. We're out here. We're, we're playing baseball. We're just going to execute. Everything's fine. And I know that Buddy, ba- or <clears throat> Buddy Black has to say that. But at the same time, I'm scared. He actually means that. That they legit fail to acknowledge that this is an actual phenomenon going on inside of Rockies baseball for the last 15, 20 years. Like, it's a legit thing. So at what point... Our hope is that they also know that it exists and that they're actually adjusting and planning for it and blah, blah, blah. What if they're actually not? What if they aren't actually planning for these things and adjusting to these things and so on and so forth? Like, um, at what point does just go out and execute not work anymore? I think they definitely are aware of it. Uh, I mean, like just from that Trevor Bauer interview with Charlie Blackman, like he, he was well aware of it. Um, you know, so like, you can't just really go through and say like the coaches and players like right now, like they can't think about this kind of stuff, you know, they just go out and see the ball or, or, you know, like there, there's not really anything to do about it, but just continue to play through it and learn and then you got to rely on your upper ups to try to get some sort of an edge on it. I think I disagree with you with that because it's 
I feel like that's what they're doing and it's not being executed, you know? Like be an athlete, go out there and do your thing to an extent. Like when you face DeGrom for the first game on the road and then you come right back and you have to face Strowman, like there's got to be, I think there's got to be a different approach or something that needs to happen. And right now, there's just, that's not it. Like, like you said, learn from it. I don't feel like they're learning from it because we are 23 and 20 on the road right now with 52 runs. We've scored, we're averaging two runs a game on the road. And I think there's like eight hit. Uh, no, that's something else. And it's just at a certain point, eight, 20 games, 25 games should tell you enough data to make an adjustment, do something. Yeah, it sounds like they're making they're relying on the player to make the adjustment themselves without addressing it on an organizational level. When you're only scoring two runs on the road, I mean major league average is four and a half. Right. Organizationally, organizationally, like you have to either teach something different or so on and so forth, instead of just relying on an elite player like Charlie Blackman to make adjustments. And to that point, they did make they did have like a big batting practice on working on some things for the game one of the Mets series. They went to City Field, took a long batting practice, and it seemed to work because Elias Diaz went yard, McMahon went yard, and they scored three runs. But they also faced Danny Peterson, Doug Peterson, like somebody who no, nobody knows, and that's where they scored their runs. And then they came back to three game, next three games and scored two runs in three games. So it's like you tried it, I guess, give this new mentality some time and see how it works in Pittsburgh. But there's got like the hangover is real. Like as much as I say it's not like there's got to be some there's got to be an organizational philosophy change on it. And it needs to happen soon. Like the pitchers are fine. Like the law of averages are going to be work itself out. The starters are going to figure it out. They are on the right tra- trajectory to do that. But the offense, like you're scoring five runs in city, 52 runs in 24 games. Like that's not okay. Yeah. So the most frustrating part about this losing season is that the starting pitching has been fantastic. The starting yeah. pitch has been great. Um, the bullpen, per usual, has been horrible. But I will uh, allow this caveat that bullpens across the league have been really bad. Yeah. Uh, across the league. But, I mean, in the Rockies' case, um, a little more so. Um, but when it comes to the offensive piece, you only have three aspects of the game, and we can only do one at a time. And it's, it's pretty frustrating. We need more OBP, guys. We need more people that can get on base and more kind of Joe types. Uh, Mike got back to me. Hugo Darnell and Loe. That's why he got called up so quickly. In eight games, he pitched 13 innings, 17 strikeouts, a whip of 0.37, and an ERA of 0.66. Wow. That's very impressive. It's so sweet, man. So sweet. Maybe I'll send him. Maybe I'll DM and see if he wants to get on tonight and talk about it. Uh, he just did sweet things. Spokane Indians enjoy a man up there. Hopefully Doyle. Yeah, dude. You Doyle should you should hit him up. That'd be that'd be cool to kind of like interview him at every stage. 
we'll see. Let's see what yeah, happens. Yeah, we, we need to hit up Doyle. Keep an eye out. Give us, give us the eye test. Let's get both of them on at the same time. Let's go. <laughs> I tweeted at Doyle to uh, take care of a man's. He hasn't responded yet. Doyle's probably busy. Doyle, he just doesn't care, you know. Like he's, he's not going to care about that. Uh, he might. Doyle, Doyle's the man. He's, he's probably doing some hockey that. games. He's doing all kinds of games. Right. Uh, we also I we do it, have a special I bet it's guest. absolutely gorgeous up there right now. Yes. Third, that stadium, Al Vista, La Vista Stadium. It's a nice little setup they got up there. Really, really jealous. Um, we got somebody in the waiting room, I believe, Jamesy. We have our resident GM draft analysis, Scraxy. So, Scraxy's here, man. Going to hey. do some GM resident uh, Scraxy stuff with us. We're just going to call it Scraxy stuff. So, yep. we don't know anything about the draft. We don't know anything about the prospects, even though James makes this ridiculous claim that I can do just as well as Billy Schmidt up in the front office if I got a name, list of names, which, James, I have yet to see. Hey, we're still doing that, right? Yeah, I asked you to bring a list tonight. All right, I'm on it. <laughs> Mike, get on that, Mike. Um, so, basically, give us the give us a nice little top three, top five players that we should look for, who they are and why, and what is going to save the Rockies? Because we know analytics aren't. All right. So first of all, let's get it out of the way. Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker, Jordan Lawler, those three people, those are like the top three picks. And we hope it's kind of like last year where like Austin Martin fell down to the Jays and we could maybe get those, but it's unrealistic. Those guys are just too good to get to be there in the eighth pick. So but we still pray, you know. So, so you're going on the premise that we're at eighth pick right now. Is yeah. that where we're ranked right now? Yeah, I believe oh, we got we're the eighth pick. We are so, for sure the eighth pick. I always get yes. those confused with the years. Okay. Yeah, the MLG draft is a weird thing where the 2020 standings are for the 2021 draft, and the 2021s for the 2022 draft. So just a year ahead. Yeah, the in the middle of the season draft thing. Yeah, that nice. too. <laughs> but uh we're probably not getting any of the Vanderbilt guys so instead I'd say if we're looking for a pitcher Ty Madden from Texas is actually quite interesting Ty Madden he's down yeah. there working with Troy Tulowitzki oh yeah but the interest well I call him this is probably not the most accurate comparison but I basically call him John Gray number two right because that's kind of what he is same like good i mean i'd say his slider is better than his curveball grace is kind of more equal and then he's got a quality change up got a high velocity on his fastball i believe he has touched 100 and the okay. only problem that only knock i'd say is that he as much he doesn't really use his stuff to the greatest potential i guess it would be the only knock to him right now is that he has a lot of great pitches, but he just doesn't strike out as much as you'd think with those pitches. So there's something to work with, but 
it's something to work with, but if you're concerned about lack of strikeouts, that might be the only deterrent against him. Otherwise, I think he's got, he does have ace potential, so I'd say he could save the Rockies in that way. And he has the stuff that translates to altitude and all that fun stuff to talk about. The There's that interesting theory, I believe, the last time I was on here, I it was talked about how low spin rates work like yep. little spin rates on the fastball work at cruise field i believe as i believe like i don't haven't seen any actual numbers that's just based on scouting reports is that his fastball is a high velocity but not much spin so that pretty much works out right there mm-hmm. but he's also got like his second best pitch is his actually no it's arguably his best pitch is his slider and pretty much all slider not all sliders but like the vast majority of sliders work at Coors Field. So, yeah, I think I really like Ty Madden as a Coors fit, as you could say. All right. And Texas is really good this year, right? Aren't they ranked first? And, like, we should see this guy hopefully in regionals and CWS. I think – I'm not sure about first, but I know Texas is pretty up there. I'll get Mike on it. Who else you got? The other one I was thinking of – well, in this range of the, like, I'm going to say from 7 to 12, right? Or because I don't really think Brady House will drop down to us either, would be shortstop Khalil Watson. We were just talking about middle infielders and how we have no depth in the system right now. That's, yeah, that's actually something that I (laughs) wanted to allude to on why I think Khalil Watson is good is because our shortstop depth is not very great like we've got story we've got rogers and then past that it's questionable right, right. you got a lot of maybe high ceiling guys with like adele amador i'm not sure if i said that correctly but he might be high ceiling but nothing really like top tier but i think khalil watson is that kind of guy yeah he's young too i see he's 18 years old out of uh, wake forest yep little guy uh, yeah, five foot nine. Wow. But uh, he's a defensive shortstop for sure. People, some people say he should be a second baseman, but I don't really agree with that. I think his arm is fine enough. But 60 grade run, 55 grades on both his arm and his fielding. And overall, even though it just looks like he's an average hitter with his 50 hit tool and 50 power tool by pipeline, I'd say that he still he still has quite a lot of raw power. I think Fangrass had something on it. I don't quote me on that. I just remember reading it from somewhere, but he has quite a lot of raw power in his left-handed swing. He doesn't really chase that much and he walks. And to me, if you're a guy who does those two things, I like hitters that are very well-disciplined. So I think that in the way where there's so many good shortstops in the league today, and even in our division with Seager and Tatis, I think Khalil Watson has the potential to meet up with them. But as a high schooler, there's obviously still risk on if you could develop him correctly, though we're not terrible at it. No, no, Scrassy, I got I got two questions. Yep. So how do you rate Rogers versus Hampson as shortstop? Who do you think is the better defensive shortstop? And my second question is Ryan Valade, if you look him up. Um, in the minor league system, they haven't listed as a shortstop. I know he came up as a third baseman. So I'm wondering where you rate 
Rodgers versus Hampson, and then the late if he could play shortstop or not. Right. I'm going to say out of pure speed, Hampson probably wins the fielding matchup at shortstop. Like he's, he is a good defender, even like he's been working out a lot at center field, but in the middle infield, he's also a good defender and his arm isn't terrible or anything like that. So he's probably the better shortstop just simply for what he has in terms of tools. But I will say with Rogers, another concern might've been his shoulder. I don't think at all based on his like previous plays these past couple days, I don't think his arms a problem anymore at all, but there was a little concern that his shoulder wouldn't hold up at shortstop, but I, yeah. His throws have looked very strong and it through his rehab to his last four or five games. Okay. So how about Ryan, how about Ryan Vallade coming up? Do you think he's a potential at shortstop or not? I think Valade was playing shortstop a quite a, like a little bit prior to this season. And then they kind of realized that he just, he wasn't really that good at it. Like he's got <laughs> the arm. <laughs> yeah. He's got the arm, but he just doesn't quite have the instincts, but I, he's still going to be a pretty good hitter. Some people say he's a good comparison is actually Matt holiday. I think that's a bit high because, you know, comparing people to someone like really good, in terms of franchise history is always a bit of a risk but Velade is for sure going to be in the corners somewhere at left field or right field or at third base those are I think those are the three positions he could be at all right you get on board with that and then give us one more draft to look for prospect well this one's actually like i Khalil Watson's at number eight and Ty Madden's at number nine by MLB Pipeline. But the other guy I really like that's quote unquote realistically available is Christian Franklin at number 46. So yeah, quite the, yeah, quite the drop. But uh, basically he's in a weird way. Like I know I just said something about Matt Holiday and it's how it's kind of risky to compare to legends of the organization but I really can't really I can't think of any other comparison for Christian Franklin as like early Trevor story as yeah well he's not a shortstop but instead like early Trevor story at center field where he might have some strikeout issues but otherwise he's got a lot of power in the bat he's a great fielder and he's a he's a very speedy boy (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Trevor Story led the league in uh, 2020 for ISO power. So, you know, power versus speed. So I think that's a good comparison for sure. Yeah. So you just compared two prospects possibly to Matt Holiday and Story. Um, So we win the first round draft pick if we get Ty Madden. Yeah, sure. I mean, actually, even with time added, I compared him to, I compared him to John, John Gray. That is true. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we're here for it. You're you're making you're making headlines out here. So Ty Madden will be the next John Gray. Yep. When he joins Purple Pinstripes, that, that actually makes me excited because there, I think there's something to say about players that are on good teams, like Ty Madden be on Texas, who is ranked second. And then um, the boy you just mentioned, um, Franklin, is on Arkansas, who was ranked first. 
like there's a winning mentality and i think there's something that's not on the prospect stuff that there's some weight in that so picking two two of your three guys being on winning programs right now i think that's a good that's a good sign i like that Next question before we let you loose, again, appreciate you showing up, is you and um, Brennan here decided to make a trade offer, hypothetically, because you're not the GM yet, um, yes. with the Blue Jays, um, Herman Marquez for Jansen, Groshant, and Pardinho. And I wanted to get your take on this because as a fantasy baseball guy, I absolutely despise Jansen because he has supposed to have been the breakout catcher for the last like four years, really last three. Um, and I have no idea who the other two guys are. So why would this actually be good? And tell me who these guys are because blue Jays were on that list of ESPNs or whatever stupid possible destinations for story. Well, uh, with Groshans, like Groshans for sure is the, number one prospect headed into the deal in a really weird way he's like <laughs> he is the trevor story replacement which is funny because he he's also from texas and he's also a guy with really good hitting and pretty solid defense he's not as good but he's not as fast as story but he is quite highly ranked he's number 35 by mlb and baseball america and baseball prospectus also both had him as top 50 prospects so Groshans is pretty legit. And uh, let me actually pull up his stats real quick. Yeah, so far he's hitting 261, 358, 370. That's his triple slash. So not as great, but earlier he was hitting 337. So quite a good hitter. That's all I have to say for that's all I have to say for Groshans is that he's a good hitter and he should stick at shortstop and he's pretty much like the heir to Trevor Story if that makes any sense. And besides, maybe if you want to keep B-Rod, it's... Uh, yeah, actually, you know what? I'm going to say you should probably keep B-Rod at second just to make sure he's safe with his shoulder. And he... Yeah, then I'm not really going anywhere with that part. But <laughs> I just think that Groshans is definitely a shortstop of the future for the Rockies. Okay. Right. And then tell me on Jansen. All right, so yeah, Jansen has been pretty disappointing up to this point, I will admit. Like, I think he's hitting he's hitting 146 on the season so yeah. far. And I'll say, by default, he's at least hitting better than Elias Diaz. So <laughs> there's definitely... Yeah, he homered. A, that is true, he did hit a home run. But uh, I really like Danny Jansen as a Coors fit, kind of like how I was talking about Ty Madden as a Coors fit as a pitcher. I do like Jansen on how he generally hits the ball pretty hard and doesn't hit it for ground ball. So he's not going to waste it like Ian Desmond did. So he'll hit a lot of fly balls. He'll hit a decent amount of line drives. And uh, on top of all that, he walks as well. So I think he has the ability. He has the key, the tools, I guess would be a better word. The tools to be successful at Coors Field. I think Danny Jansen definitely has Okay. Um, and did I hear right that he is younger than Nunez? Same age as Dom? I think he's, yeah, either the same age or a bit younger. He's 26 right now, so that's still pretty young in his baseball career, I'd say. And, okay. yeah, 
right now he's known for his defense, but I think that he has the tools to reach his minor league stats where he hit pretty well, I believe. All right. All right. You sold me. Let's trade with, (laughs) let's trade with the Jays. If, I mean, we talked about it earlier, if Trevor story is healthy and we still have value there. Right. Right. All right. So again, appreciate you Scraxy making your appearance. Um, one of many, I hope. I want to get you on soon for some late round, two through five, six rounds, maybe that we can look for. Um, do you have any idea when the draft is? I believe it's near the All Star game. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's after or before, but I know it's in the All Star weekend. Okay, because I know they talked about doing it at the CWS a few years ago, but it's probably moved to the All Star game. So July 11th. So we have a month for more Scraxy analysis. We're here for it. Scraxy, thanks, dog. Thank you for having me. Thanks, buddy. Later, man. Appreciate you. All right. My picks? You want my picks right now? Yeah. Just ballpark it, dog. Are you, you got your whiteboard ready? Yeah. Because you need to, because I need you to write these down. How many am I picking? five yeah top five <laughs> all right five i want to stan frelick how you spell it f-r-e-l-i-c-k from boston college um gunner hoagland from mississippi i spell it h-o-g-l-u-n-d Dude's a B, 6'4", 220 right-hand pitcher. Yep. L-U-N-D. Jaden Hill. That name sounds really familiar. I'm not sure why. Louisiana State. Let's go. So these are like top 30, top 40 prospects. Um, Jordan Wicks, the Kansas State man. And Florida, just Judd, Judd Fabian, outfielder from Florida. So those are the guys we're going to watch over the next 10 years as we do this podcast um, and see if they transition into great prospects. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Um, and that's Blake Street Banter, May 28th. Have you guys seen what James did on our YouTube channel? No? Where could we go? It's dope AF, as the kids would say. Trevor Story in his first month in the majors doing rookie stuff. Set records and stuff. Yeah, we, we encapsulated that. And there's a few other videos on there. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I have no idea how to be good at Instagram. Um, so find us, BlakeStreetBanter.com, blogs, videos, everything, podcast. We're here for you. We even have a little Scraxy GM corner. Trade, trade ideas. Find us. Banter with us. Let's go, Rocks. Woo!